0: Hi, this is Jerry Bose. Welcome to my podcast, Living Life in Awe. Today I have a conversation with my friend, Mary Mayanfish. Fesh. Mary has so many passions. I don't even know how she does everything that she does. She is an advisor to young people in a very prestigious private school here in Lausanne. She is involved in the political system in her town. She is a community builder for women, Irish women in particular, and she really wants to make an impact in the world, and she is busy doing it. So we talk about her passions and how she manages to do all these things. Let's get started. And you're helping and you're like the advisor for a private school and you're advising uh, the teenagers on how what to do for their future. So yes. Yes. how do you you know, how do you go about like doing that? That's that's not
1: really something that's very easy. Well, um, I, I, I didn't start off as a, a career and u- university guidance counselor. As you know, I'm, I'm a lawyer by training. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I came in from a very different aspect and I worked as a lawyer and I never thought. I would come into education. So I came in sort of by accident uh, because I started to teach English. first, and then I started to teach law and English and communications at the Ecole Hôtelier de Lausanne. So I really discovered a passion for helping people, young people to understand how everything works. Yeah. And from there, uh, having worked with different universities, Pepperdine and business schools, business school and I I really, um, by mistake, again, I fell into university counselling. It was a world I didn't know anything about. It was a world I really knew nothing about because it's really funny when you're working in education, everybody has their own role and function. So we don't necessarily know what the admissions are doing or the university counsellors, the teachers. I had a fair idea, but we're sort of all very separate units. Right. So in in the States, for example, university guidance counsellors, it's a very specific training you do. And here in Switzerland, in the public school system, it's a very specific training. But I started off really using all my experience from all the different aspects of education I'd been involved with to try and really understand the best way to explain to students how uh, young people, how everything works, to allow them to make their own decisions and to to decide on what their future passage would be because what i really noticed is sometimes it's not the students who who make that decision because they really don't know what's out there no it's often, I mean what uh, is
0: the age we're talking about here 17 18 or 15? younger younger oh, 15, younger. 15 younger. even younger yeah.
1: oh my <laughs> yeah yeah and and you know i i actually have a very good example in my own life because my mother was very far thinking and modern woman for her times. And I was the first woman in my family to go to university. Mm-hmm. All the, the all the guys had gone and they were all doctors and lawyers and engineers. But the girls tended to be in more traditional roles. And so my mother always said my girls would be able to do whatever they want to do.
0: Wow, That's great.
1: Yeah. It was fantastic. and yeah. So she brought me to a counselor when I was 16 and that, that was very unusual really very unusual and the counselor told me law or social sciences and and it's really funny because I became a very human focused legal person then when I went into education um, I really began to see how all of that sort of fitted together and 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 then when I became a counselor the first time I would started the counseling was actually in college mm-hmm. and I realized that all my life skills were extremely useful, and all the interest I have in the future of the world, sustainability, um, all all the the th- the, the as- aspects of my life and things I do that are very important to me, were very important to students, are very important to students. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So I'm just thinking, like, how because I also have, you know, I have a young daughter who has many interests and she is finding it difficult to narrow down Mm. what she should do during her future. So like when you see someone, when you see these young people, I mean, they're so young. I mean, how did they even know what to do for the rest of their life? And I think they're kind of thinking like, what am I going to do for the rest of my life you know Mm -hmm. even though I tell my daughter don't think about it as the rest of your life just think about what you want to do for the next five to whatever seven years or something you know Mm
1: -hmm. like
0: how how do you approach like when you see somebody like what do you say to them right away
1: well first of all I think at that young age you can't even look at the following five years I think that's something we can look at more we're a little bit older Mm -hmm. I think so we I always approach it by saying you know uh, they're all in school so I say okay what kind of subjects do you like and why do you like those subjects and and what are you passionate about and I mean I've gone so far as when I I find students a few of my male students who really didn't know what they wanted to do I think sometimes it can be very complex at a certain age to to think about that but I've sat watching rugby matches you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) or football matches or trying to find out what is their real passion and then sometimes talking them through to what, where could that lead them and how could they do something in their studies that to some extent aligns with, with what their passion is. Because, yeah. you, you know, I, I had a student one time and he was really into video games and uh, which is which was driving his parents crazy. But then I explained both to his parents and to himself that there were all sorts of different professions you can do now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that the different universities that are looking at that so that, that he could take what his real passion was and turn it into a future job. And, yeah. and, you know, yeah, no, I, it's interesting that you should say about the video game because I was also teaching
0: catechism at, uh, you know, Our Lady of Faith, and we had this 11 uh, year old who loved mm. video games. And mm. I was thinking, but there's, you can extract so much from that interest.
1: Absolutely. You know? uh, and yeah. particularly, particularly today. But I think what's really important for me in relation to everything else I've done. I know how helpful that is when I'm helping students to look at the future, because I don't think it's very easy to do university counselling if you yourself are not looking at the future, future jobs, future needs, problems we have in society, problems that need to be solved. Because if I can get the students into those kinds of areas, then also I can take away the fears their parents might have if they decide to do something that isn't the traditional lawyer, doctor, engineer. Exactly. Kind of of way of looking at things, you know, and I think that's really important because I think that frees up their parents as well to allow their children to really make choices that go with where they want to go. Exactly.
0: And I I feel like nowadays there's just so much more choice than we had, you know, in our time. I mean, the the world is like wide open for that. Maybe that's the problem.
1: It is a problem. And of course, I've been working a lot in the private schools here in Switzerland and but even even back in my home country in Ireland, I know people are moving much more. When I went to college, I chose one university. I did many, many exams to ensure I got in. And that was it. Mm-hmm. Students here in, 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 the, in the private schools in particular, there's kind of two problems here in Switzerland. One is there are, for example, between the canton of Vaux and Geneva, there are 70,000 students in private schools. Oh my. and they all a lot of those schools have counselors like myself who uh, show them what is open to them globally and therefore the students may say okay i want to go to canada america australia the netherlands ireland uk and or switzerland And everywhere else, Spain, Italy, I have students who really apply to Singapore, many places in the world. Mm -hmm. And then there there is a bit of time you have to really talk to a student about, you know, you have to think about location. Do you like to live in big cities? Do you want to live in the countryside? Why are you choosing to go to this place? And, 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 And then, if possible, I always say to students and to their parents, is there any possibility you could go and visit the universities? Because we're all we all have an instinctive side in ourselves that we don't listen to or use enough. Mm-hmm. And that is getting the feeling. Is this the place for me? Mm-hmm. Is this the best fit for me? You know, there's no there's no way you can replace that, really.
0: No, it's so interesting that you're saying that because one of my daughter's friends, he went to Singapore, you know, and he always thought, oh, this is a place where I definitely want to go. And he went there for an internship for a year. He's at the Hotel Ecolier. I am. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I'm missing the cold weather a little bit Mm. and I'm missing seeing the stars at night because it's always cloudy here you know i just missing like all these things that we take for granted in Switzerland so I I agree with that like you really need to go and you really need to see how you feel about the place it might sound very exotic when you're not there Mm. but when you're there
1: you're like oh wait a second I'm missing these things that I take for granted exactly absolutely And, and, and there's sort of A couple of things that have been happening in in recent years that make me a bit uncomfortable, and that is students making a decision, let's say, to study business. And there's no problem with studying business, but you have to understand why you've made that choice. Mm -hmm. And if your choice is just because you haven't really thought through many different options because business is a big and broad world as you know. Mm-hmm. So so I always uh, my, my great satisfaction this year was a girl who wanted to study business and then she decided actually she wanted to study sociology and anthropology because we talked about it and we talked about what those subjects meant and what you do. Mm-hmm. And I, I often bring in uh, people to talk to the students who are, who are actually studying those subjects. You know, I've brought in graduates, uh, sociology graduates and history graduates and just just to get students to have those conversations, be- because I think and, and one of the problems in Switzerland in the public system is if you you if you pass your exams, you can study anything. Exactly. Yeah. And that can be good and it can be very bad because yeah. you can just choose, let's say, medicine because you can do it. But as we all know here in Switzerland, there's uh, there's no numerous clauses, but you can fail at the end of a year or at the end of two years or at the end of three years. Yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. and I, d- I don't think that shows enough preparation. So gotcha. I, that that's where I think I can I can I can help young people. Tool. I I use a tool, uh, an online platform called UniFrog, which was set up by a group of teachers in the uk now it's an all english blog or platform but it's very useful because it allows students to go in and look at universities and look at different kinds of professions and listen listen to ted talks and audio uh, kind of pods or do module online oh well well, that's that's kind of nice also they can do that with their parents you know, it's right. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if their parents have access to that particular platform, it's fantastic yeah. because yeah. there's different sections that say, you know, what are your three favorite subjects? And then this platform shows all the potential possibilities you have based on your three favorite subjects. And then suddenly this opens up the world to, to the students who before only had heard about five or six different options. So, exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah. You no, know, I'm just thinking about the parents because sometimes... I think when you're so young, sometimes you choose a, a subject that you think your parents would want you to choose.
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Know, so it's kind of yes. nice to like, watch these kind of things with your parents, and then you can have a discussion about what you like and what you don't like.
1: Absolutely. And parents worry, you know, and that's that's normal. Parents worry and they worry about the future and, you know, will yeah. you be able to ha- have a salary and things like that. Exactly. And I try and take away that because my, my way of looking at that is if you're good at what you do, no matter what you choose to do, you will always find your way.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And if you're passionate, I think passion is very important.
0: Yeah. And I guess I would also say if you like people, if you kind of like to connect with people and talk and chat, then it's a little bit easier because then you can go out there and meet lots of people and talk to lots of people and, and, and find out, you know, what you like to do.
1: Absolutely. So, so the more you can do. And of course, the other thing is you, you asked me what age... Uh, I start saying to students to to do different things from the age of about 15. I say to students, you know, would you like to get a summer job? Yeah. Uh, Would you would you would you like to do some voluntary work? Mm -hmm. Um, And in the different schools I've been involved with, we've done voluntary work with the elderly or with food kitchens or cleaning up the lake or in in some possibility. Some of the schools allow the students to to take uh, some different to do some traveling, you know. Mm -hmm, Mm hmm. But yeah. I, I think all of it helps because you need to, students, I think, need to understand that um, they will learn no matter whether they hate what they do or whether they love it. They will Ex- get some. Exactly.
0: Idea. Exactly. That's a very, very good point. Yeah. You always learn whether you hate what you do what you, uh, or you love what you do. That's a really, really good point. Yeah.
1: So that's what I do with young people. That's that's my, my sort of day-to-day work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I saw you recently at your other passion, which I which I think is probably community, because I, I'm very impressed with what you created with the Irish Business Network, um, with yeah. having all these women there, and I don't know how long you've been doing that, but that
1: is, <laughs> I guess, another one of your passions. passionate about um, society. I'm very passionate about women and our place in society. I'm very passionate about... Um, making women visible because as you know for so many centuries women have been made invisible and sometimes we 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 need to say we need to do it ourselves we need to stand up and say we're visible but we need to help each other so in relation to your your question how many years have i been doing this uh-huh. a very long time i think yeah. i <laughs> sure. i think I, everywhere i i didn't realize i was an activist, Jerry. Until one, when I was working with Pepperdine University, one of the the resident faculty from the States one day said to me, "Mary, you're actually an activist." I said, "Am I?" I had never thought about it, right. but <laughs> I began. Um, I think back in about two thousand and ten, or maybe even before, I came in contact with a group uh, in Swi- in Switzerland in Lausanne called the Business and Professional Women, and this group it's an um, a group of thirty thousand women from the in the international sphere, because there are business and professional women clubs all over the world. Um, But here in Switzerland, there are 40 clubs. And uh, outside Switzerland, in almost every country in the world, you would find the Business and Professional Women's associations. So I became very involved in that, where I was setting up with my committee. We were setting up all sorts of different events and working together and trying to help women to find their paths. Mm And that led me to become part of something that I I really, really like here in the canton of Vaux in Switzerland, a consultative commission, cantonal commission on equality, which was set up um, by the, I suppose, the, the, the head of equality in the canton of Vaux, working with the Bureau of Equality and bringing in different people who are involved in different aspects of equality into a committee where we helped the Bureau of Equality move forward in terms of much-needed change, yeah, both, both in Vaux and Switzerland. So I was on that committee for eight years. And there I was on the subcommission uh, for education where we were looking at what was happening here in Switzerland. How do you go uh, and work with teachers and do teachers' training? How do you get them to think about equality in a different way what kind of training do they have so we were with the Otekol pedagogy which is the the training group for teachers in Switzerland uh-huh. we were talking to the heads of the different school systems here trying to find out what were they doing about equality also looking at the orientation schools what were they were doing about equality and at what stage and how could we change the kind of stereotypes and the biases we have in this society here in order for the the world to bec- become more equal for our girls mm-hmm. but but also more um equal for our boys because mm-hmm. we cannot have a society that's equal if if we don't have men and women who are working towards a common goal which is that everybody is equal equal opportunity exactly. equal equal salaries
0: exactly but i also want to add this point I want to go back to what you were saying about being seen mm-hmm. and I think that actually plays into what you're saying about the equality too because I feel like as a we are not as assertive as wanting to be seen you know and I, I mean even for myself I know I have a hard time uh, you know wanting to be seen well, to just show up is is like always like this, you know, big deal for me.
1: Well, I think we, we we talk to women too much about telling them they should negotiate better, they should be more assertive, they should be this and they should be that. And I, I don't agree with that at all. I think, we, you know, in the world of business, every day we hear here we need more women in, in in high positions. We need more diversity in boards of companies. And and it's very clear from all the studies that done that businesses that have really good diversity do better, make more money. So I, I don't think we should be listening to a discussion that tells us that we need to negotiate better. I think that if we go for a job, any intelligent employer is going to say, I want the best candidate for the job, whether it be a woman, whether it be a man. Mm-hmm. And the salary is this salary for this position. hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think uh, that's the first part of the story It's to do with this negotiation assertiveness type of story. But the second part is, I think in in a good system with good management and if you're in a meeting, a good manager is is going to want to hear the opinions of everybody in the room. Mm, Yeah, not just the person who speaks the loudest. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand exactly what you're saying about assertiveness, because I'm a lawyer. So I have found in my own experience, because I'm legal, sometimes I hang back too long Mm -hmm. because I want to understand who's in the room. Why are they saying those kinds of things? And what I've discovered in my own work life is people really don't understand who I am almost till I'm no longer there. Yeah, well. You know, yes,
0: I have the same issue. I'm not a lawyer, but I know that I can be well, I think that I could be like maybe sometimes too aggressive. So I hang back oh. until I hang back too long. So exactly the same. I understand exactly what you're saying.
1: But but who told you you were too aggressive? I mean, where did that come from? You know, we had that discussion at that meeting you just mentioned, the Irish business Net, um, Irish Business Network meeting. Mm-hmm where I invited eight women in to talk about what they had been doing. And and I think I, I mentioned it on that evening. My 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 friend, Kira Bergen, who's at the um, Jules Gonna Hospital, she said in her MBA course, she was told she wasn't being aggressive. She was socially brave. Oh. So, socially brave. Like yeah. 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 Because I think that, I, I think, again, it's a stereotype that's put on women who have yes. a voice. I've never heard this same discussion in relation to a man. Mm-hmm. That's true. You never hear anybody
0: say, oh, you're you're an aggressive person. No, a
1: man, yeah. no. Seriously. Mm-hmm. I, I think these are all sort of stereotypes mm-hmm. that are put upon women. And my 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 argument is always the same. We, we see in places like Switzerland, we see in places like America, where women to some extent are finding it's quite complicated to try and have children deal with the school systems do all the homework, uh, housework at home, and have a job 100%. -hmm. And a lot of people are pulling back, not because they don't want to work or they're not ambitious, but just because it's all too much. Yeah. If if we don't change the system where men and women are equally taking on all those jobs at home, equally taking on the cooking, the cleaning, the caring for parents, the caring for children, plus work, Mm -hmm. we're never going to get to where we want to get. No.
0: No, well, you no, know, we're not. And well, I've been living in Switzerland for over 20 years, and I know when my daughter was first born, the daycare system for babies was a disaster. I think it's a little bit better now.
1: Mm, mm. <laughs> Depends on where you live, Jerry. Depending. Yeah, it depends where you live. Where you yeah. live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's it's still great, to be truthful, no. I think uh, an awful lot uh, in my area where I live in Lausanne, an awful lot of buildings have gone up. But when the buildings go up, you don't see the creches going up at the same time. No, not and, at the same speed. No, no. And, and I, I maybe could just relate one small incident because in the work I've been doing on the equality issue in Switzerland about four years ago, We had a visit here in in Lausanne before the big strike in 2019, and it was the woman who had organized the strike in Iceland. And I don't know if you know, but Iceland is one of the best countries in the world for women in the workplace. They have great crashes. They seem to have Mm -hmm. a fantastic system in place. So I actually asked this woman, I said, why is Iceland doing so well? And she said, because she said, we insisted upon early childhood training in relation to um, stereotyping and all that kind of thing. And uh-huh. she said, we have creches. And she said, without those two things, without the training of teachers in relation to this, training of children or the teaching of children, and without the creches, we would never have got there, she said. No, I no. think that's really key.
0: This, I, I do think the, the daycare is, is key.
1: Because, yeah.
0: you know, if you can't let... Women deal with the daycare system and expect
1: them to to do everything else. So no, no, with that. No, yeah, there there is a, a very interesting book for any of the readers who'd like to read uh, something about this. I think it's called the Invisible the Invisible Job by an Irish woman called um, uh, Oh my gosh, it's escaping me. Fynes F Y A N S is her name, uh-huh. uh, and she wrote the book. And at the back of the book, she has. Uh, job descriptions for a couple. (laughs) Ah. You sign up to these job descriptions at the beginning of your relationship and you decide who's going to do what so that you've got a fair, uh, fair list of jobs for everybody. And, and I think that was something maybe we could all start thinking about.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's kind of interesting that you say that. I think I was listening to some sort of a podcast on relationships. And they were saying, before you decide to go get serious, ask these questions, you know. And I was thinking you could put these questions on there. Like what, you know, what kind of like break down the jobs, like the household jobs that you each need to do.
1: Exactly. Exactly. To have fairness, fairness in the couple in every yeah. way otherwise yeah, yeah. otherwise nothing will change really
0: no no it's i mean i guess it's moving at a very 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 slow space pace but uh it's very
1: very slow very but... very
0: pace yeah very slow
1: <laughs> yeah
0: exactly well, I think oh, thank you so much. This is I really appreciate this this conversation with you. I know you have lots of passions, and I could probably I don't know have another five conversation on each one of your passions. Are you getting involved in the political system here in the Canton of Vaux?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I, I can't seem to stop myself getting involved <laughs> in everything. Um, I was elected. Uh, I'm an elected member of the Green Party in Puy among oh, the okay. communal. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Green Party councillor uh, for two years now. Oh, and yeah. again, yeah, again, I'm on the subcommission uh for education, trying to see how we can move along the system in relation to creches. So, yeah, I'm very involved in that and I'm finding it very interesting. But here in Switzerland, you know, it's very incremental, the change. And as you know, we have governments on communal, cantonal and federal level. Mm-hmm. So, um I got involved because I was asked to. In fact, I was one of the founding members of a group here in the canton of Vaux called Politiciens, where a couple of us who were in different organizations came together and set up this third group, which was uh, which helped to get women involved in politics, which encouraged women, which put together a networking in the canton of Vaux. And it's been very, very successful. But it also led to my... Uh, agreeing to go into politics and being elected to the green party
0: wow well congratulations i didn't know that i thought um josephine had mentioned that but i, I didn't i you hadn't told me that so i didn't know well that's great congratulations it's excellent
1: <laughs> yep can't seem to stop getting involved in different things but it's no, really interesting I don't know
0: how you have time actually I don't, I don't know how you you slice up your day because you're always you're doing so many things it's very impressive
1: Everything links together, I think. If you have a passion, my passion is, as you said at the beginning of this podcast, is that my life should have some meaning and have some impact. Uh-huh. And, and also for my children, Jerry, because I think whatever we do, we're leaving behind for them an example. Yeah,
0: Yep. Yeah. That's actually, that's something that I discovered recently. I would, Maybe last year. It's like I'm always asking myself, how can I be mm-hmm. uh, an example of what is possible? Exactly. And- And, you know, when you say that, when you ask yourself that, things sort of just appear out of the blue and you're like, hmm, okay, this is this is good. This is good for my daughter to see that I'm
1: doing this at my age, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Because that's what we did with our parents, probably, you know. My mother was very active. Uh, My father was was a wise person. And I, I think hopefully our children will get the best qualities that we have. Yeah, exactly. and have hope, you know, have hope for the future, because it's a it's a pretty complicated time in the history of mankind at the yeah. moment, you know, mm-hmm. and I think we have to give hope and, and, and show that everything is possible.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think you and I are doing that in our own way.
1: Well, we're trying, aren't we? <laughs>
0: yes. Exactly. Well, thank you so so much. I don't want to take up too much of your time. So this was really, really wonderful. Thank you so much. And
1: maybe you can come back at a later time for another one of your passions. Oh, delighted. I mean, as you know, I have a few more. <laughs> a few more to share. No. Yeah. Thanks very much for asking me, Jerry. And keep up the sure. good work. Thank you. You're, 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 you're a very good interviewer. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>
0: If you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate a positive review and a positive rating. Plus, if you could share it with your friends and family, it would be greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. See you next time.